Today's reading is Luke 23:13 to 35. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are! And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I'd like to try something uh, different this morning. We've um, just come out of Easter, and you heard the text read to us this morning in which these two men are walking along, or two people are walking along, two disciples on the road, and they have this encounter with Jesus, and they're not aware that it's Him. And... Their eyes are finally opened when he does this familiar act in which that reveals him as Jesus as he breaks the bread and he blesses it and he, and he gives it to them. And they then reflect as he disappears, they reflect on the memory they had of him talking to them along the road, opening up the scriptures and, and telling who he is in light of God's grand purposes revealed in the text of scripture. 
And so today what I hope to do is to begin something that we might do on occasion, and that is to have a conversation. I'm calling it Conversations Along the Road, Along the Way, based upon the Luke 24 passage that we heard read to us. My conversation partner today is Alex Absalom. For those of you who are new to Grace, Alex has recently joined our staff here at Grace, having served churches both in the UK and here in the States. And I'm really thrilled to begin this, this new uh, kind of conversation uh, with him. And we'll be doing it with other people up here and, and uh, seeing how that goes. Hopefully you'll find it interesting. If not, you can just survive this and move on to the coffee afterwards. Uh, hopefully you'll find it. Uh, it's largely non-scripted. We didn't plan out what we're going to say. We just kind of had the general topic. And the general topic that, uh, that I've chosen today uh, and that we've chosen is based on Galatians 5.25. about It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And before we open up this conversation, I want to say just, I want to answer the why question, why that, why that topic? And, and for me personally, there's something in this because I went to graduate school, seminary, I learned original languages to be able to study the Bible, Greek and Hebrew, uh, how to interpret the Bible, I learned theology, but there's no one who I, I, that I can recall who ever helped me understand what it looks like in practice to keep in step with the Spirit. So it was interesting, you could come out of this training and you could be taught how to preach and teach people, how to lead in a church, that type of thing, but never to keep in step with the Spirit. And you think, well, that's kind of important. (laughs) So part of my life has been, and especially in pastoral ministry, has been catching up, figuring out these practices both in my own life and how to help others step into it. So, Alex, I guess that's where we can begin mm-hmm. the conversation today. As, as mm-hmm. you hear the Galatians 5.25, as you, as you think about Paul's words there, what, what are your, you know, how does, how, does that, how does that phrase hit you about keeping in step with the Spirit? Yeah, so uh, it seems there's two parts in there. So it says we have to, if we live by the Spirit, then we will walk, we will keep in step with the Spirit. So first of all, there's this assumption that uh, we're trying to... Um, you know, be led by God's Spirit in our life. So obviously, part of that is the whole journey of how we come to faith. Um, you know, but God goes ahead of us. He's the one who woos us. He, he, he calls us to Jesus. The Spirit is alive, uh, softening our hearts. And I think all of us, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, and there's going to be a whole range in this room, I know, uh, but I think all of us probably can, can remember or are aware of moments where it feels like God's kind of slightly um, set us up, perhaps. He, he's certainly gone ahead and, and prepared the ground. Um, but I think that the second half is interesting because it's this sense of, um, he, he says, so if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. This sense of journeying with God. So it's not just a one, one hit and you're done. There's this ongoingness about that, that uh, everything we do in life should have the active, daily, moment by moment, presence of the Holy Spirit breathing in us, guiding us, steering us, directing us. And I think, uh, I don't want to argue that's central to a lot of Paul's theology, and I think clearly to how Jesus lived. But for us, um, I think so often we, we don't do that very well, like you mentioned. I think we, we would all wrestle with that. Uh, but too often I think it's because we, we've come from a, a church culture and um, an institutional way of thinking about what it means to follow Jesus rather than this far more dynamic um, slightly edgy way of, of, of allowing the Spirit to lead us. Elaborate on that. Well, uh, I, I think the institutional thing is this, that the traditional church in the West, since Christianity was legalized in 325 AD, um, 
that the church has been, has been kind of combined with a lot of political power. And so for so long, uh, that it's been assumed that everyone in a Western nation is a Christian. Uh, and if they're not, they've kind of backslidden and we need to just kind of evangelize them a bit, have a revival and they'll come back to God. Um, and the, the problem with that is that um, we downplay then the need for us to be more living on mission, first mm. of all, and also to have this awareness that perhaps we live in a culture that's not fully redeemed yet. Mm. We just assume everything's kind of good and Jesus-y. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, if, if we, all, we all know, if we look around our culture today, our culture is clearly not a Christian culture. It's a post-Christian culture. Uh, the church doesn't have the dominant voice in the marketplace, to put it like that. Uh, and we can argue whether that's a good or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so... Uh, But I think in a lot of its thinking, the church hasn't kept up with that. Mm -hmm. And so we we lack this uh, urgency and and, and real hunger and need and awareness that I need God's spirit guiding me in my workplace. And when I'm, you know, Pete talking about being with his neighbors or when I'm trying to parent my kids or when I'm on the Internet or whatever it is, uh, because I can't do it on my own steam, my own strength. And there's, I, I, there's not a rule book I can get out that's going to help me in every situation. It needs something far more dynamic than that. Mm-hmm. And I would say, too, that one of the things that we have tried to step into more purposely here is seeing that in, as we read the text of Scripture, we're seeing um, God who is active and unfolding a plan, working his purposes to redeem the world, and that we're invited to, to join him in that. So therefore, this keep in step with the Spirit is not just um, an individual thing, a, a, a personal morality project where we're just working on ourselves. And that's, I, I would, growing up in church, that was kind of what I would take away, that you're in, you come to church to get more steps or methods or techniques to improve yourself. And here, what we're seeing is we're being invited into something that God is doing in the world. And so therefore, you know, the spirit is out in front of us. God is already active. He's not waiting for us to just stir it all up and make it happen, mm-hmm. but to be aware. And so that therefore we need the spirit. And, I, and I've appreciated uh, to tell you all, I've appreciated that um, from Alex's. He's, he's helped. He's challenged me in some ways. That, and that was one of the reasons why uh, I invited him on staff was because I could uh, have either coasted in the finish line, so to speak, and just, you know, done everything we've been doing before and do it easy, or I could bring somebody on with, um, that had a lot of experience and background and a lot of areas who might, might really challenge me some and cause me to take greater risk in my own life. And certainly that's been kind of an area where he's helped me to, to, uh, to shape some, some stuff that was already there, but putting some, um, some categories on it. And I think if switching to the kind of the category thing, one of the helpful categories that, um, that he's given to us as a staff is kind of putting together the relationship of discipling, uh, being a person who does, is a disciple, but who seeks to disciple others into the life of Jesus. And then this living on mission, but then there's this third element that involves the, the spirit of God. Mm. So coming back to this, keeping in step with the spirit. Talk about that to us because you've, I mean, I, I could talk about it as well, but you're the one that presented yeah, no, to us. No. And I thought it was really, really helpful. Um, there's a graphic, I think you got, wonderful, you go. thank you. So um, here's three circles which uh, overlap like this. And so as Lou mentioned, uh, I think our goal is to create a kingdom of God culture not just within the four walls of this church, but actually everywhere we go. We want to see God's kingdom come. You know, when Jesus sends out the disciples again and again, that he tells them to do several things. He says, go and proclaim the kingdom is at hand. 
He says, heal the sick, drive out demons. And the fourth thing he says is, disciple others to do these things. So there's four things he says again and again. And to be honest, most Christians don't do that. All right. Um, but he does start with, if you look at there, I think that's this sense of how do we start to live out a kingdom of God culture? And it's these elements there of we are a disciple-making community. So we, uh, uh, and disciple-making at its essence is about what's Jesus saying and what am I doing in response? So as you think about um, going, kids, uh, high schools, you know, going back to middle schools, going back to school this week, what's Jesus saying to you as you think about the difficult classes or the, the kids who annoy you. As you think about going to work this week, is it, you know, and you think about perhaps some of the, diff- the issues you're wrestling with, maybe some of the tensions you face there, what's Jesus saying to you about that? And then what are you going to do in response? What's the faith response you're going to take? It applies to all the things we do in life, as we parent, or as we have relationships, or as we deal with our in- money, or, or whatever, you know, our sexuality. The whole thing of life, that, that's just for making. The missional dynamic is how do we go with the gospel uh, and we were hearing that earlier in the interview of Pete. So how do we carry what God's given us and go out and make disciples? And then I think the danger is if you just have those two by themselves, it ends up becoming quite legalistic uh, because it's, it's like I do it under my own cleverness, my own skill base. Uh, and so that's why I love this sense of we need to be a naturally supernatural people. So in other words, being naturally supernatural is we, we are, are empowered consciously by God's Holy Spirit. The way we make disciples is actually God's Spirit coming and, and shaping and molding lives. The way we're, I'm going to disciple my sons is not just by me uh, giving stuff to them. It's actually it's going to be God coming into their lives more, and I help to be a facilitator for that. The way we are to live on mission, the way we make a difference in our neighborhood or in your workplace or in the soccer team or wherever it is you, you do life is actually, yes, you're there, you're present, but it needs to be God's spirit uh, alive in you. That's going to be the transformatory thing. And so um, this particular sense of being a naturally supernatural people perhaps is something which we need to be conscious about rediscovering. You've, you've touched on a little bit about why, you know, what happens if that peace is not there, if that focus is not there, or that those practices aren't there. And I think one of the things that strikes me when you first showed that to us was how... Um, and maybe this is just my own problem, so I'll go ahead and be, you be the therapist, but um, that, that there's such a tendency to, to rely on methods, techniques, yeah. that um, if you do certain things, then certain things will happen, and to approach God that way, especially in, in a church, that if we, if we have truth, if we have the Bible, if we believe the right things, then all we have to do is you know, hold on to that kind of stuff, and, and God's going to show up, and yet... What, what I'm seeing more of is the fact that, no, you know, you, obviously you read the scripture and you see so much of uh, people, Jesus himself relying upon the spirit and relying upon yeah. this relationship to God and, in order to do the things that he did. And then you see it in Paul, you see it in the book of Acts. And, and, and so it's kind of one of those things that's always been there, yet the blinders, for some reason, uh, can be there. And, and uh, you know, I think about you know, what is it that kind of keeps us from from perhaps um, stepping into this way of life. Do you have thoughts on that? I mean, I have some too, but I'd love to hear what you think. What, what is it that may be the, the blockages to us stepping into that naturally supernatural way of, of, of being in the world? Yeah, so uh, I'll kick off a couple maybe. Um, so one would be, I think we feel like we've not seen it modeled in a very healthy way or at all. So what does it mean to live in naturally supernaturally uh, say with, with relatives or in the workplace? What does it look like to be someone who 
Jesus says, as you mentioned uh, repeatedly, he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. Or only, uh, you know, and so the sense of, well, how do I see what the Father's doing as I go to work tomorrow? What does that mean? What does that look like? How do I get a sense of where he's up to? Um, you know, I, I mentioned Jesus commands us to go and heal the sick. Uh, well, how do I do that in a way that's actually going to be effective? And what if I pray for someone and they're not healed? And all these other questions start bubbling up in our minds. Um, and so I think what comes often is a fear that's underneath that. Um, and my response to that would be the last song we sang. The song we sang just before we stopped. Remember that song which Chris Tomlin's covered and which is all over the radio at the moment? And it's a wonderful song and it's brilliant, simple theology because he starts with this understanding of uh, God is a good, good father. And if we really believe God is a good, good father, that he, he loves us unconditionally and he is for us and there's nothing you can do that will make him love you anymore because he loves you that much. And uh, he, he, he's not trying to trick us or to set us up or to get us, you know, he's, we're going to fall into a trap. He goes, ha-ha, I got you. Um, he, in fact, he's the opposite. He, he's so full of care and compassion and mercy for us. And, and, and actually, he's full of that for the world as well and for our friends and, and for the folks around us. And some of them might be completely messing stuff up in life, but he still loves them with this intense love. You know, if we believe the scripture that, 2 Peter 3 says that the Father desires that no one would perish and all would come to eternal life, then there's something there which we can really build on. You know, that, and so my challenge would be, and, and I say this to myself, is do I really believe that God is a good Father? And actually, I think, whilst we might verbalize yes, I think for many Christians in their practices, they don't live out a genuine faith that God is a good Father and he really can be relied upon. Mm-hmm. One of the things that has struck me as well in this process as we've dialogued and um, I've been trying to step more purposefully into that kind of that awareness in my relationships is that it's allowed me to then sit in a conversation and not feel like I have to have the right answer or fix the person, but simply ask the question, um, God, how do you want to love this person? And is there something that you want, you know, a role you want me to play in this conversation? And then to sit back and just be waiting upon, is there a moment where you want me to speak in, in, with words that will be healing words, encouraging words, loving words, because of that very thing that here is God who loves people so immensely. Mm. And I, I think that's been the thing that I've been growing in is realizing just how deeply God loves people and that he wants to love people through me and through us. And that, that, I think that really eases the pressure on us to feel like we have to be Christian, whatever that means to us, that oftentimes puts a, a, a fear on us or undue pressure um, upon us. So that, that's been something that's been very um, helpful. I'm yeah. just thinking about that as you were saying, as you were talking. What, one of the, another question that um, kind of comes off of that, since I'm doing questions, I guess. We, we haven't rehearsed this. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, as people hear that, that language of naturally supernatural, maybe they've had a background in a church where maybe um, there would seem to be a really heavy emphasis upon the spirit, whether it, they would call themselves a charismatic capital C uh, church, and, and the fear that um, they've seen excesses or they've seen um, just stuff that seemed to be a little bit beyond their comfort zone and then they hear you and I talking about this up here and so all of a sudden the lights and sirens start going off. Mm-hmm. Oh no, here we go. 
Um, and I don't know if there are any of those people out here, but I think that there's always a possibility whenever you, whenever you push into an area that isn't easily controlled by uh, like a doctrinal statement or a belief system or something like that. But now you're talking about practices. You're talking about encountering the living Jesus, the spirit of God who's been given to us. What do we say to, I mean, how can we, I mean, what kind of words might we say to people who might come into that place? Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah. Two things are, that come to mind. So, let me ask you a question. Oh, I can okay. ask you a question. Sure. Okay, <laughs> Lou, tell us your secret sins. No, 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 that wasn't the question. Okay, okay, we'll do that. Uh, no, not that wow. one. <laughs> no, no. Okay, so Lou, ha- have you have you ever heard someone uh, preach a really terrible sermon? Oh, absolutely. Okay, that was easy. <laughs> Much easier than the secret sins. Okay, so. So does that mean we don't believe in preaching? Mm. Let me ask another question. Have you heard someone take a Bible text, completely rip it out of context, and use it to manipulate someone? Mm. Right. Does yeah. that mean we don't read the Bible? And I think the answer to wrong use is right use, not no use. Mm. And so if you've had that experience where you felt manipulated by someone saying, that in the name of the Holy Spirit, you know, in the right. name of God, misusing spiritual gifts, um, and obviously, firstly, I'm really sorry that's your experience, and, you know, if you need to process it with someone, you need to make sure you do that. But at the same time, that doesn't mean we just say, um, you know, the gifts of the Spirit are not for today. Uh, prophetic needs to be, you know, have big razor wire and warning signs against it or something like that. That's not, that's not a biblical response to how we deal with those things. So I think that would be the first element of it. And then second, so the answer to wrong use is right use. The second element would be, I, I just want to go back to that, that, the sense of God being a good father and this sense of, of grace in there as well, so that, um, you know, sometimes we're going to try stuff and we're going to get it wrong, okay? You're going to think God says something to you and you, and, you, and you perhaps share that with a person and it comes out in a real blah, 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 um, or, it, or it just isn't perhaps from the Lord or something like that. Um, and I think we need to have... Whilst we don't want to be irresponsible, we also need to remember that there is grace to try stuff and get things wrong. Mm -hmm. And the pass rate is not 100% on this stuff, okay? So we need to also have a a culture and space where people get to try to exercise living naturally, supernaturally. We get to have room to experiment with the gifts of the Spirit, with with, um, being attentive to what God might be saying and and living that stuff out and speaking it out. Um, And there's room just to kind of, you know, Mm-hmm. that we have patience and tolerance for one another. And then I think as that then, as we then get confidence to go out with that stuff, that that helps as well. So That's good. You know, I, when I, um, the staff and I were first encountering some discipleship coaching uh, some years back, and, and we began to be exposed to kind of just a little bit more pushing into this area to say, hey, look, you know, this is a very vital element for really living as a disciple of Jesus. It's this relationship with Jesus that is alive, that, is, that involves uh, what any human relationship would be, and that is conversation like we're having, listening to each other, being sensitive to each other, knowing the character, which obviously when we come to the Scripture, that's how we know what God is like. So this isn't about abandoning Scripture, and it's never about the Scripture being... Um, 
in an either-or situation of the Word versus the Spirit, but rather they're always in concert together. The Spirit of God works according to the character of God that's revealed in the, in the, in the Word of God, which is the stuff that we've been talking about. But I think that one thing that, I, from a personal standpoint, I would say to you all is that in terms of my own journey, um, I think that I've realized that, uh, and especially here, after tw- 20-something years of really kind of banging my head against the wall, for those of you who are newer, that's a whole other story, but... Um, but really realizing that even you could preach and you could lead really well, but that wasn't a guarantee that anything was going to happen. And so there was, this, there was this natural thinking that I had, and that was if I did certain things right, then God would show up and do certain things. And I think that over the years now, I've realized that, no, um, there really has to be a dynamic there that comes from a vital, vibrant relationship with Jesus. And so for me personally, it's just in recent years that Jesus has become more alive and real and personal and vibrant to me. And that naturally then has led to, oh, well, Jesus, when he left, he then gave his spirit to be, you know, his presence to us, to, to be doing for us and being in relationship to us what Jesus wanted to have all along with us. So it's not as if there's, I mean, it's, it's in the scripture. I don't know, I guess I'm just admitting the fact that you can be trained and spend a lot of money and not really know how to live it. So, <laughs> admission. Um, so I, I think that's been, for, for those of you who are wondering about, you know, maybe this is somewhat newer that we're talking about here. I think the thing that has been so encouraging for me is that this opens up the possibility of seeing Jesus do something. Mm-hmm. And and it's, that sounds so simple and so obvious, but I guess I would ask some of you out there, all of you, is that something that you want? Is that something you're looking for? Do you get up in the morning and say, okay, Jesus, what are you going to do today? Versus, um, I need to read my Bible, and now I've done my Bible, now I need to go out and live my life the way I always live it, with all my plans and aspirations and dreams and stuff, as opposed to this... this um, this encounter with the, the presence of the living, resurrected Jesus who is alive and who I think he in, wants to invite us into a greater, yes, experience of his presence. Uh, and so then that raises a question for me. Well, then what are the practices? Mm. Well, yeah, it's relation, yeah, relationship so and what practices. Helps, what helps you encounter God's presence? I think, I mean, obviously there's, there's I, I need to be familiar with this story that's in here that, and, and to see that here's a God who is really determined. I mean, we're reading the Bible Project, you see all the failures of Israel, and you see God is determined to do his work here on this earth. And so you see this God who's in, you know, he's involved in all the messiness and craziness of this biblical narrative. And so, yes, he's still involved in the messiness and the craziness. So, First of all, I have to have this confidence that comes from the scripture that here's a God who is still wanting to redeem this world, and he's done it, um, you know, he's made it possible through Jesus, and then he's given his spirit to make this possible as well. So there's this awareness, first of all, of who God is, like you mentioned the song. But I think then there's the, the issue of then having little movements throughout the day in which I'm trying to be attentive to him. So, like I said, in the conversations I'm having with people, rather than feeling like I'm on the spot to, to say something, I'm asking the question, 
you know, Jesus, what is it that you want to do in this person's life? And how do I then discern it? And that's really flipped my posture around from being um, someone who uh, feels like uh, I, I need to be Christian or I've got some duty to do, and rather that's made me more aware that I, I can be a conduit of his life. And I think that's a, that's a huge one for me, is how do I function it, as a conduit of his life in the conversations that I'm having and, uh, and that could be just, you know, the people that are coming to our home and stopping in, and, or the, the UPS guy, or Lori and I were walking down, uh, walking up our street last night, and some guy stopped us, and he's coming out of his house. He says, uh, I have a simple request, and we stop, and we go, yeah. And yeah, I was like, what's going to happen here? And he says, uh, would you take that walk for me? And I go, well, you got bad knees? He goes, oh, yeah, and he began to tell us about his Vietnam experience and then about that life is temporary, and, and then this got in this conversation about Jesus, and his kids came out, and his wife came out, and there's, I, it was like this one of these moments where we were like, okay, you know, here was a, you know, this started with us just walking and him asking us to have a proxy walk on his behalf because his knees were bad because he was in a boat on the Mekong Delta in the Vietnam War, which I then later asked, Laurie, if he's in a boat, why, did, why are his knees shot? <laughs> We never got that answer. So. She says, well, people can get injured in a boat. She's very logical. So if you have questions, ask her. So anyway, that's some of the practices that I've been trying to step into. It's that kind of that prayerful awareness as opposed to just doing the prayer in the morning and then saying, okay, I did my prayer, I did my Bible mm-hmm. reading, but prayer is this, this ongoing conversation with mm-hmm. Jesus throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So what about you? What practices that you're yes, good. You've tried so, to do? Because so, so I've learned a lot from you. Tell me, tell, work, tell, share with some of them some um, things. So worship, I think uh, worship is a big part mm. of it for me. So um, I, I find that, so, so something Han will tell you, the boys will tell you I do this. So, I, you know, when I go and have a shower, I normally turn worship music on really loudly um, because, because I sing so badly, but no one can hear them. Uh, but I, I, I love just finding those spaces in my day where I can just stop and to worship God and I'll, you know, and, sing and, 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 or listen to worship music. And I just find that really is a helpful catalyst for bringing me into God's presence. So that for me is, a, is massively powerful. Um, one, and, and you've touched on this and we've had conversations about this. One of the disciplines is to stop and to listen. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm an extroverted thinker, ENTJ or Myers-Briggs, uh, for those who do that stuff. Which um, so so I tend to I'm very quick at kind of like talking and come up with ideas and here's the plan boom we've moved on um, and so God's really worked a lot on me over the years to, to to challenge me to not just to do that but actually just to sometimes you know he's like you're going Alex shut up <laughs> shut no now be quiet all right with so his, with his British with accent. It, well because he's British but um, <laughs> I'm just get used to it I mean I'm sorry um, but. He always speaks in the English accent to me. That's all I'm going to say. So, uh, <laughs> but, but it, it is this discipline of not jumping in with our clever answer. You know, we're, we're a, across this room, there's so many skills and so much education and wisdom and life experience. And God does use that. So I'm not saying he doesn't use that. That is a gift from God. But the, the danger of that is we can just jump straight into that mode rather than pausing, saying, okay, Lord, what is it you want to say in this situation? And at that situation, it might well build upon the knowledge and the wisdom and the experience you have. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm not saying it throws that out. But I think there's this sense of, okay, Lord, what do you want to say here for this person? Um, Let me give an example. Uh, So this week we got good, close friends of ours uh, in Ohio. And uh, this is a lovely, lovely family. And um, they've got uh, several children. One of their children, um, who's 16, 17, has had this quite a long-term, really nasty kind of... um, mental viral illness and, and stuff around pandas and all these sorts of things have been very hard for the medics to nail down and one of the side effects is he's got quite depressed at times and so they sent a text to a few friends um, during the week just saying uh, you know, this, could you pray please particularly our you know, son's really quite down at the moment and so obviously and we were actually out in a restaurant uh, Hannah and me and Isaac and so because uh, Samuel was away on the camp and so we, we just stopped and prayed in the restaurant there and then, obviously, but uh, later on, I just had this sense of the Lord wanted to speak to them. And, you know, there's so much, so many things you could say. There's so much wisdom we could come up with. Well, you know, why don't you paranoid this? Or you could say this to the, to the kid or whatever. Um, but actually, what happened was God gave a really clear picture to my mind. And it was this picture of a, of a submarine in the depths, in the darkness, under great pressure. And, um, and the Lord saying, to this, this lad, you know, this is, this is how you feel. But God wants you to know that he understands and actually he's constructed you to survive in the dark and the depths and under the pressure. And so we text us back and I said, Look, I don't know why you've got this awful illness. It's horrible. Um, but, you know, know that I, I really have this clear sense of God wants you to know how much he loves you and he's for you and he's with you in that. And that... Um, uh, and I was reminded of Ephesians 6, which talks about how uh, often, this Ephesians 6.12, how often our call is simply to stand when we're at, under attack. And so, we, you know, share that with him and say, just have the sense of at this time, for you, victory is, is taking your stand. Mm-hmm. And so, they, you know, there's some interaction after that. Um, and just this, they were overwhelmed with encouragement and joy because there was this sense of a fresh word from God which brought hope and brought life and this sense of understanding. And it was far more effective than anything clever I could have cooked up. Mm. And I think as we learn to live like that, um, there's this sense, it takes the pressure of us to come up with things. We don't have to be smart or the most educated. Actually, what it does is it it allows God to be moving through us and hopefully bringing life. Um, uh, you know, and, and even if even if you have a... Say you're in that situation, you have that sort of, you know, that picture in my mind's eye. Even if that was actually just me and it wasn't God. So let's take the worst case scenario. Okay, let's just say somehow I'd kind of made that up in my zeal for this family. Even then, I think, well, is that a terrible thing to have said to them? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I mean, really, the, we, we, in a, we, often we get scared out of this thinking, oh, what if, what if this, what if I get it wrong? Even in that situation, the what-ifs aren't that bad because it's still an encouragement to them. But actually, I, I think the Lord was at work mm-hmm. in that situation. And so it's this, this changing our posture so we, so we stop, we just pause, we wait, listen to God. What are you saying in this situation? Is there anything you want me to say or do or minister in your name. But it's also a willingness, at least from my experience and also listening to you and dialoguing with you, it's a willingness to take a greater risk to be, um, to be alive and attentive to, to God 
in the moment versus just saying, okay, I'm relying upon my past knowledge, my, my understanding of the way God works, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and just basically going on autopilot, pulling out of a reservoir. It's like pulling out you know, something that's sitting in the, in the uh, it's like pulling out a, a box of, of some, something pre-made from Trader Joe's out of your freezer versus going and cooking something fresh. Mm-hmm. You know, w- what's fresh about this? And, and I think that's the thing that's been so attractive to me is that how do I live into a, a, a relationship that is fresh with Jesus? I mean, I want that with my wife. I want that with my children. I want that with my friends. I want that with this community. I want a fresh, ongoing relationship, not just one that's, that's just always predictable uh, or that I'm putting the person in the box the way they were yesterday is the way they're always going to be from now on. So I think that's been an element for me is how do I live this life that is being, that where I'm being called into faith and faith involves risk, involves putting myself out there. And I would say, you know, you look at this, this chart behind us of this naturally supernatural. I would say that, that my experience of that, while I think that is so vital for the other two and you can't have the other two without it, my, I would honestly say I'm awkwardly supernatural and I'm timidly supernatural. And so that's, that's what I'm stepping into is just being uh, okay with, I don't do it really well, but Jesus does. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I want to get out there and at least try something because uh, what's the other option? To basically close off that whole area of life and say what? Well, then what do you have left? You're certainly not going to be doing disciple making. You're not going to be, make, you're not going to be out on mission. You're just basically left with a life that just closes down on yourself, that you have this assurance that God loves you and that's it. But you're not necessarily joining him in in this great adventure, and someone told me, I, I just celebrated another birthday, and someone quoted to me, the days are long, the years are short. I thought, that's really depressing. <laughs> that, was, that was my birthday cheer from somebody. I was like, wow, that's really a deep thought. Thank you. Um, but it caused me to realize that, yes, life is going by rapidly, and, the, and, the, and as you see the, 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 you know, the bookends closing in on you, for me, the more I want to see Jesus really show up and do something in people's lives. Mm. And I think that I'm seeing that within this congregation as well. I'm seeing a real hunger, a stirring, a freedom um, to, to be okay with where you are, for all of us to be in various places. And so that's kind of my final word. I'm going to yep. close this up. My final word to you all is that it's okay to be in process. It's okay to be in different places. It's okay to be uncomfortable, to take risks, and, and to know that, that God loves you and that he wants to use you where you are. You don't have to be super spiritual. You don't have to have all your act together. You don't have to have the Bible memorized. But don't take yourself out of it. Jesus wants to use you to bring life to people around you. He really does. And if you don't believe it, just give him a chance. Just give him a chance. Just say, okay, if, 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 if Lou's telling the truth, then I want, I want you to use me this week in some kind of a conversation. And I want to be attentive to you. And I want to say to you just simply, Jesus, what do you want me to say to that person? And I'm going to wait on you and see what you have to say to me. At least try the risk once this week by, in a conversation and see what Jesus might want to do. Because I really believe that he wants to use us. And I believe that he wants us to have fresh stories every week to tell. Not once a year, but every day. And I'm hoping, every week, and I'm hoping that we become, this is my my aspirational dream, I'm hoping that we become a congregation, that what we experienced last week with those stories, that every week we have those stories to tell. 
It's called Fresh Bread. Every week we have fresh stories that have not gotten moldy, but they're, they're within the last seven days. It's fresh stuff that we've seen Jesus do. I can't imagine anything more encouraging than to be part of people who are wanting to stand up and tell stories of how they've seen Jesus work in, in people's lives. And it's not about bringing glory to yourself. It's about knowing about the thrill of being involved with Jesus and what he's doing. And it's just simple practices that I hope that we can begin to step in to together and to learn together. So I hope this conversation has been slightly stimulating to you. Uh, I, I said, if not, don't worry, it's not happening next week. Uh, so <laughs> I promise. Uh, but I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for doing it. And. Uh,